Yesterday afternoon, I stepped out of my house to take a phone call from my good friend, Tyler Paulson, who's on our elder board. He called to, to pray for me and pray for the message and pray for this service. One of the wonderful things the elders do, we get this phone call every week and they pray for us. It's an awesome thing. And I was standing there in my driveway and Tyler was praying for me and I realized that I was feeling something I've not felt for months. Warmth. Sunshine. How great is it, right? So good. Look at this. Look out the windows. It's so wonderful. So great to be with you today on this beautiful Sunday morning. Will you grab your Bible and pull out your Bible? Open to the book of Hebrews today, Hebrews 13. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and ushers are already on their way. We want you to have the word there in front of you. We're going to be in Hebrews 13 and then we're going to go to a lot of places this morning. It's going to be a great time together. While you're turning, I need to give you the lay of the land for the next couple of weeks. So today is what we call Connect Sunday. And Connect Sunday is a day where you can learn how to get connected in our church. Community groups, Bible studies, small groups, different things. So if you're new or you're a visitor or you just happen to show up on this Sunday, you picked a great day to visit River West. Welcome. Pastor Eric's going to come up at the end of our service and talk to you about all of that and give you directions for Connect Sunday. Then next Sunday is what we call Serve Sunday. And this will be a Sunday where we'll highlight all the opportunities in our church to serve to get involved in mission, to get involved in ministry to folks outside of our church, across the street, across the city, across the globe. Come back for that. Then on the last Sunday of January, January 28th, we're having a very special service where we're going to talk to the church about a transition process that we have been in over the past few years. If you were here last Sunday and you heard Guy's message, you heard about that, you can go back in and listen to his sermon if you want more about that. But when you come on the 28th, we'll be talking about that. Should be a great day together. And then on February 4th, we're going to launch a new series in our church. I'm very excited about it. We're going to start preaching through the book of Isaiah. Yeah. Woo. Thank you. I love that. At the last service, they're like, whatever. But you guys are much more spiritual, so it's great. <laughs> That's why I like the 11 o'clock. But anyway, uh, Isaiah, and this service, this series is going to take us right up through Good Friday and into Easter Sunday. It's going to be an awesome series together. Come back on February 4th. But today, here's what's happening today. For Connect Sunday and then next week for Serve Sunday, I want to talk to you about a theme that, oddly enough, has gotten very little airtime in the church, which is surprising considering how prevalent it is in your Bible. It's extremely prevalent, which we'll find this morning. If you've already seen your bulletin cover, you know what the theme is. The biblical word hospitality means to treat a stranger as if they were your friend. I want you to just stew on that for a second. You might even write that down. Every single one of those words was carefully chosen. That's going to be our headline for today and next week. The biblical word hospitality means to treat a stranger as if they were your friend. And so the first thing you've noticed in that sentence is that hospitality is a biblical word. 
And one of the things that I was surprised as I did this study this week, I was startled to discover that hospitality as a concept is actually finds its roots in the Judeo-Christian worldview. It's, it's an inherently Christian thing that our culture has now borrowed, right? And in fact, kind of hijacked and redefined. So hospitality now in our culture is very trendy and cool. But typically in our culture, when we talk about hospitality, what we mean is we mean inviting people over and trying to blow their minds with how beautiful the, the table is or the food or it's something just like, let's blow them away. And then we put it on Instagram and yay, we're hospitality. Okay, it's cool, good. And there's a whole multi-million dollar industry around hospitality in our culture. Cable news shows, blogs, magazines, it's everywhere on every newsstand. I walked into Barnes and Noble this week and I picked up a magazine called Kinfolk. Maybe you've heard of this. It's a Portland-based magazine. It's the coolest magazine I've ever seen. $20 for a, this magazine. And I was like, this is amazing. Kinfolk, and it's, it's, it's for a very specific audience, okay? Kinfolk is targeted towards people who want to learn how to throw like a uber cool, organic, farm-to-table, outdoor gardeny type party where you repurpose mason jars and you hang twinkle lights and stuff like that. It's very niche, okay? And it's 20 bucks. And for 20 bucks, if I can learn how to do that, it's worth the money, right? You know? And so that's how we think of hospitality in our culture. But that's not what hospitality means in the Bible, in the Bible, it's very different. Hospitality actually starts from a different place, and it has a completely different agenda. See, in Scripture, hospitality is targeted towards strangers. It's a, it, it, it has to do not with necessarily how we treat people we're really close to, friends and family and people we're comfortable around. No, no, no. Hospitality in Scripture is about how I treat strangers. And that's what makes it so beautiful. And that's what makes it so deeply connected to the heart of the gospel. Have you ever been on the receiving end of like a genuine act of hospitality where someone who just barely knew you treated you just with unbelievable kindness? Think of how powerful that is, right? When I first came to the church, Kathy and I, we were brand new. We didn't know anyone, Okay total strangers here. This is 2006, 12 years ago. Right out of the gate, we got invited over to dinner. A couple in our church, Daniel and Sherry Harkavy, amazing, wonderful people. They invited us over. I barely knew them. They didn't know me from Adam. You know what I mean? They didn't know me. I didn't know them. And what I didn't know about Daniel and Sherry was that these, these people are the ultimate pranksters, okay? They love playing practical jokes. So we walked into their house, and they were like, welcome, come on in. And they, we walked into the kitchen, and we were talking. And then Sherry had this little twinkle in her eye, and she, we, we gathered around her stovetop, and she was like, I hope you guys like pasta. And she had this massive pot on the stove, and she opened it, and it was filled with SpaghettiOs. You know SpaghettiOs like you ate when you were six? She was like, dinner's served. And I'm thinking, this is a critical moment because I'm new here. I don't know what's happening. I'm either about to make a big mistake, right? So I'm kind of like, ah, ha, ha. And she was like, yes, it's a joke. Okay, great. And immediately we were friends, right? And then we went on to have this amazing meal. She's an incredible cook. She reads Kinfolk. You know, she does. So it was awesome. 
But I, it, was, it was this powerful moment where an act of hospitality turns strangers into friends. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about that. I'm going to ask you to think about your own life. I'm going to ask you to think about how you are engaged in that and the ministries of our church. But will you look with me at Hebrews chapter 13 at one of the many texts where hospitality is mentioned? Here's how the writer of Hebrews says it. He says, Let brotherly love continue, but do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Isn't that amazing? Have you ever, noticed, have you ever read that verse? That's in the Bible. We're going to come back to that at the end. He says, don't neglect to show hospitality because thereby some people have actually entertained angels and they didn't know it. That's amazing. Okay, keep, keep your finger there. I'm going to read two more passages to you out of the New Testament, but you don't have to turn there. They're going to be on the screen. Here's, here's the way Peter talks about it. 1 Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Peter says, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Now I want you to look for a pattern here with Hebrews. He says, above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Okay, here's Romans chapter 12, and you're going to see a pattern. I'm looking for a pattern in these passages where hospitality shows up. Here's how Paul says it in Romans 12, verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Continue, contribute to the needs of the saints. And seek to show hospitality. Seek to show hospitality. All over, it's all over the New Testament. And here's what's interesting, and maybe you noticed it. Every time a biblical writer talks about hospitality, they take that concept and they elevate it and they set it right next to brotherly love. So they, they take the kind of love that we show one another in the family of God as brothers and sisters, and they say, yeah, but we got to add one other concept and we're going to set it right next to it, and it's actually going to get elevated just as high, and it's a different kind of love which we're going to call hospitality. And in Hebrews, it's super clear. In fact, in Hebrews, you'll notice he sets these two words right next to each other. Let brotherly love continue, but do not neglect to show hospitality. And actually, there's a play on words in Hebrews in the Greek that I actually want to show you. It'll help you to see this. So I made a slide. Here's the two Greek words. The first word is brotherly love, which is the word Philadelphia. It's a compound word, and the roots are the word philo or phileo is the verb form. That, that's just a general, it's love. It's like love or affection among siblings. And then the second word is the word adelphos, which, which is a super interesting word. It basically means from the same womb. So it's, this is the brother-sister love. The ancient Greeks used this word only to describe actual relationships with a sibling, but the Christians took this word and they adopted it and they used it to describe 
uh, our love in the body of Christ because the Christians knew we actually are from the same womb. We've been born again by the Spirit of God into God's family. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? So they took that word, Philadelphia, and they said, that's actually how we love each other, like a brother loves his brother or his sister or his sister, and, it, and it's this beautiful thing. But then there's this other word. It's really interesting, and it's the word philozenia. And this is the same first root, love or affection, but the second word is the word xenos, which means stranger. And, and the writer of Hebrews says, yes, love one another, but also I want the church to be a place where there's affection towards strangers. So whereas xenophobia is fear of strangers, and there's no way that Christians can be like that, Paul says, the writer of Hebrews says, not Paul, the writer of Hebrews says, actually, Christians are people who love strangers, who have affection towards strangers. That's how I describe my golden retriever, which is why she's such a horrible guard dog, right? She just loves everybody. But this is uniquely Christian, okay? This is uniquely Christian. And here's what the writer of Hebrews he takes these two things and he says, if you want to see a church explode with impact, you take these two things and you keep them in balance. This church loves each other. It's so powerful. It's so good. And, but also, this church loves outsiders. It's uncanny. And the writer of Hebrews says, keep them in balance because we often get out of balance, don't we? My experience has been that Churches typically are pretty good at loving one another, but we all, we don't, we're not always good at the hospitality part. I think that's why the writer of Hebrews said, don't neglect this. Did you see that, verse 2? He said, don't neg if you neglect this, it's like you're going to be out of balance. Now, I'm going I'm to confess something here right out of the gate. As I studied this, I realized how bad I am at this. Okay, like if there's anyone who should not be preaching the sermon, it's me. Okay, so if you feel bad, I feel bad. We're, we feel bad together because maybe you're thinking, I am not good at this. That's okay. We're going to grow together. This is a place of grace. And here's what we're going to do. What I want to do in our time together, I'm going to share with you the three reasons why I think we should elevate hospitality as individuals and as a church. Three reasons. And sort of make this a focus in our church for 2018. And along the way, I'll, I'll try to be practical. But three reasons why this matters and why we should be about this. Here's reason number one. Hospitality is rooted in the heart of God. Hospitality is not just some random appendix in the, in the Bible. It's not just some arbitrary out there kind of a thing. It's actually at the very center of the heart of God, and that's where it originates from. And that's why God's people should care about it. And that's why God's people should practice it and work at it, even if we're not good at it, because this is a, this is a heart of God thing. So now let me show you where I'm getting that. You can leave Hebrews and go with me. I want to go to the Old Testament. So Take your Bible, turn to the left, go all the way back towards the beginning to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10. Deuteronomy, the fifth book in the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We're going to be in Deuteronomy 10. And what's happening in this passage is that God has 
sharing his heart, actually, with his people. He wants to form their identity, and God knows the way to form the identity of my people is to share my heart with them. If they know my heart, then they'll know how to live in the world. And that's what Deuteronomy, most of Deuteronomy is, especially this passage, Deuteronomy 10. We look with me starting in verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments and statutes of the Lord, which I am commanding you today for your good. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens, the earth with all that is in it. Yet the Lord set his heart and love on your fathers and chose their offspring after them, you above all peoples as you are this day. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no longer stubborn. Okay, now look at this, verse 17. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, the awesome God, who's not partial, takes no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. Love the sojourner, therefore. The word sojourner means a resident alien. Someone who has been displaced. Someone who's a stranger. A sojourner is a refugee. And God says, Israel, I want you to love the sojourner because you were a sojourner. See that? In the land of Egypt. So here we have the God of Israel saying, I want to share my heart with you, and here is my heart. I love the fatherless. I love those who are poor. I love the needy. I love the widow. I love the orphan. I love the sojourner. I love the one who feels out of place. I love the one who has been displaced. I love that one who is in a community, but they know they're an outsider. I actually love that person. That's my heart. It's, to, it's, it's quite stunning, actually. Did you know that the people of Israel, the nation of Israel, was the only ancient people group who actually had laws commanding them to care for sojourners. No other people group had laws that said you must care for people who are resident aliens in your community. This is astounding. And it shows the heart of God. So like, here's one example. I'll just put this on the screen. Here's Leviticus 19, 33. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall not do him wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you basically hospitality. God is saying, Here, here's my heart, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to treat strangers as if they are friends, because that's my heart. I find this to be strangely compelling and very convicting. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing. Did you know, when you're a sojourner, or when you're a uh, an outsider, or when you're a refugee, do you know the number one feeling that you have is the feeling of vulnerability? 
you feel vulnerable because you're totally out of place. You're not at home. Imagine what that would be like. Imagine what it would be like to be a part of a, of a community where you don't have a place that you call your own, where you can't provide for yourself. You're totally dependent on this other people group to care for you. How vulnerable that would feel. I had no concept of this until I went to Rwanda. And when I was in Rwanda, or as they say it, Rwanda, I was, I was visiting and we went to the far western part of the country to a community called Kayonza. And when we arrived, right as we, the day before we had arrived, a group of about 150 refugees who had fled Tanzania and come across the border, they had entered this community. And they were displaced because of violence. And they had nowhere to go. They, had, they didn't know where they were. And they happened upon a community where Africa New Life, which is the ministry that we partner with, had a school and a church. By the grace of God and the sovereignty of God, they happened to walk into this community. And the people of, and the leadership of Africa New Life gave this group of refugees a home and they began to provide food for them. And when, when I showed up, I, we, we basically got to go and pray with them and we delivered some boxes with food. But here's what happened to me. For the, it's so, sort of like you can't really understand something until you're around it. And it was in that moment my heart broke because I looked at the, for me, I was relating especially to the fathers. And I was watching them and, and, and wondering what would it be like to not know how I was going to provide for my children, to feel so vulnerable. Oh, and my heart broke. And then I realized, wait a minute, God's heart is for people like that. He loves them. And actually what God says in this passage is he says, don't ever forget, Israel, that you were the sojourner. You were the one, you were the people that were displaced. You sojourned in the land of Egypt. You were vulnerable and dependent on them, and I redeemed you. And so God says, this is why it, it's so important for hospitality to be a mark of my people. The New Testament describes the church in similar language. Here's Ephesians 2, 12 and 13. It's on the screen. Paul says, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated. You were aliens, Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers. That's the word xenos. That's our word. You were strangers. You were aliens. You were on the outside. You were, you were the ones who were disenfranchised. Having no home, hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And so what you realize when you read the Bible and you, even when you read the New Testament is that hospitality is actually at the very heart of the Christian faith. It's that you could actually summarize the gospel as God has treated strangers as though they're friends. He's loved people who were on the outside. And by his blood, by the blood of Jesus, he's taken people who are alienated and he's, and he's brought peace and he's connected them in the family of God. And that's you and me. That's us. We were strangers and sojourners and God's been so good to us, right? Isn't that beautiful? 
So Colin mentioned it, you know, when we pass the peace, the greeting time, that's, the church has been doing this for, since the very beginning. They've been, there's always a moment in the service where the pastor or the leader says, okay, stand and greet one another, and they called it passing the peace, and we're not always as formal with it, but basically for thousands of years, the church, Christians would go to another Christian in that moment, put out their hand and say, the peace of Christ be with you, and then the other person would say, and also with you, right? Isn't that neat? And they were, they were using Ephesians 2 as sort of the backdrop. They, basically, what's happening in that moment is people, even people who are strangers to one another, because often you, you meet someone you've never met, but what happens in that moment is you, you say, the peace of Christ be with you, and then they say, and also with you, and you have this moment where you realize we're, we're strangers. We were strangers to God, and now we've been reconciled to God, but also we were strangers to each other, but we're actually rec- we're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is an amazing thing, right? So here's a little practical thing for you, especially you antisocial types, okay? This is for you. This is going to sting a little, but just get ready. Stop groaning about the greeting, okay? <laughs> stop groaning about it, and stop being so awkward in that moment, you know? I see you when, when it's coming, you like slip out to get coffee. Oh no, they're going to make us greet each other. I don't want to do it. <laughs> no. It's okay. And then there's the relational types, and you guys work the whole room in, in one minute. You're amazing. I don't know how you do it. But here's the thing. We're not doing that sort of like casually. That's actually, that's a moment of hospitality. That's a moment where we create a space in our service where someone who has come in and feels like an outsider is welcomed in. Do you remember what it felt like to visit this church the first time? Don't ever forget that feeling, by the way. Hopefully you were treated like a friend. I hope so. But maybe you weren't. Maybe you weren't greeted as warmly as you would have hoped. But either way, one of the things I like to say in our church is never forget what that felt like because it will raise your awareness as you look around. Who's here who needs to be treated like a friend? Isn't that beautiful? So good. It's the heart of God. That's reason number one. Here's reason number two. It's about Jesus. So the first reason we should be about hospitality is because it's God's heart. But the second reason is because Jesus actually came into the world to model hospitality for us. This is, this is one, of the, one of the main reasons that Jesus entered our world was to demonstrate hospitality, to bring into a broken world, wrought with sin, a vision of, of what God wanted to do, which was to turn strangers into his people. And Jesus was all about this. That's why Jesus was constantly having meals with people. He was always in these places of hospitality, sitting at a dinner table, sharing a meal. Now, often Jesus was invited in as the guest. And that's really interesting because Jesus actually entered our world in part as the stranger. But also, he always made a shift where he said, here's the thing I want to say to you in this moment is that I'm actually the divine host. I represent the heart of God. And Jesus would always teach, and and so much of what he taught about had to do with hospitality. It's quite interesting. So let me show you one place. Go now to your New Testament. Go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Let me hear those pages rustle. Come on, make some noise. Good. 
Luke 14 is where we're going. Jesus would often teach at a meal. And I think it's because he, he was so focused on hospitality. And he would get invited to meals a lot. Sometimes he would get invited into the house of a, a Pharisee. Sometimes he would get invited into the house of a tax collector or some other disreputable type of person. In, in Luke 14, he's at a Pharisee's home. And I'll read verses 1 to 6 to give you the context. Here's what happened. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully, which they did this a lot, the Pharisees. They liked to watch Jesus carefully, especially on the Sabbath, because Jesus tended to like to uh, misbehave on the Sabbath. Let's just say that. He liked to do stuff you weren't supposed to do on the Sabbath, like heal people and be compassionate and godly. Why would he do that? I don't know. But anyway, so here he is, and what happens? Behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to these lawyers and Pharisees who were watching him with a scornful eye. <laughs> and here's what he said. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him, the man with dropsy, and sent him away. And he said to them, which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. That's the context. So now Jesus is going to teach about hospitality. He's going to talk about the heart of hospitality. See, the Pharisee had had him over for a meal, but it was a very inhospitable environment. So Jesus says, you know, your heart matters a lot when it comes to hospitality. And here's what he said. Skip down to verse 12. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just." Wow, that is so intense, right? I don't think Jesus is saying, never have your friends and family over for dinner. That's not what he's saying, okay? Here's what Jesus is doing here. Please think with me deeply about this. He's saying, when it comes to hospitality, your motives matter. Your motives matter. Why are you doing this? So Jesus would say, just make sure that you're not inviting over people who you know will repay you. Make sure that hospitality for you is not about constantly surrounding yourself with people that you feel comfortable with or people who help your social status. So that's why every person he picks in this is a, is a disenfranchised type of a person. And so Jesus says, the heart of hospitality is that it's targeted towards people who are outsiders. And that really matters because there's a lot of people like that in our world and they feel on the outside and God has a heart for them. And so Jesus said, make sure you have room in your life 
for those kinds of people. And I would say, as, as a pastor, I want our church to have room for people who, right now, maybe they're out there somewhere and they would say, I don't belong there. I don't fit there. And that breaks my heart. I want this to be a place where someone who feels estranged could come and realize, they treat me like a friend. Whoa, that's what I want. I share with you a quote from Henry Nouwen. He reflected on this parable, and he wrote a book called Reaching Out, and he talked about hospitality. And I love this quote. He said, hospitality means primarily the creation of free space, where the stranger can enter and become a friend instead of an enemy. Hospitality is not to change people, but to offer them space where change can take place. Just let's leave that up. And I love this. So he talks about this idea of free space. Hospitality is about creating free space. I think he's, he's talking about this idea of creating a space where there's no agenda, there's no strings attached. I'm not trying to change my guest. I want them to feel loved and welcomed right where they are in that moment by God's grace. And they enter in and, and the space feels free and they don't feel judged and they don't feel like there's an agenda. And they, and they begin to relax and enjoy and suddenly they begin to feel like an insider. And this is really powerful because I think what Jesus and, and what Henry Nouwen is noting here is the, it's, not that, it's not that the church... The church is about people changing, absolutely. We want people to become followers of Jesus. But sometimes there needs to be space where they can first be welcomed where they're at and know you're loved by the grace of God, and Jesus will begin to change your heart. So it's not about not having boundaries or distinctives. We have doctrinal distinctives as a church. The point is we want to create space, right? And I want you to create space. In your life. Did you know that, um, we can put that quote down, thanks, And This is actually our community groups in our church. We have many community groups. Many of you are, are in one. Did you know that the community group is basically, it's that. It's sort of this space where you can exist. And if you're in a group, you know that in that group, you don't always perfectly aligned with everyone there. Maybe you have different opinions or theological, uh, you know, sides to you, but it's, but it's, what's beautiful about it is that it is a space where you're free to interact and love and, 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 and be with other followers of Jesus. And then what happens to you is that you begin to change in that space. And so maybe today on Connect Sunday, maybe one application for you is to join a community group. Maybe you've known, yeah, we're, we need to do this, and God's been sort of knocking on your heart, you'll have an opportunity to join a community group. But you know what else we need? We need people to host community groups. Pastor Eric tells me, we, we opened all these groups in the fall, and they're all full. They just fill up, and now we need more. And you know what we need? We need people to say, maybe, maybe I, I'm not good at facilitating a group, but I could host one in my home. I could create a space of hospitality, and Eric, Pastor Eric will partner you with another leader who would lead the group. You could do this. You could do this, and we need it. Or here's another practical thing. What if in your life, in your week, you intentionally left 
space for strangers. So I know people in our church who on Sunday, they never make plans right after church. They, they always have a space that's created and, and sometimes they'll even have food at home and they'll just come to church with this sense of maybe God will allow us to bump into someone who feels on the outside and then they just invite people home. You guys are the most popular people in the church, by the way. You're just really amazing, right? But what if you, you could do that? You could leave space. Or in your work life, you could leave space to have a meal with someone. So powerful. Here's what I think Jesus would say. You can't really create space in your home if there's not space in your heart. That's where it starts. This is the heart of it. Is, is there, do I have room for, for strangers in my life? It's a great question. There's reason number two. Here's reason number three. And because I'm running out of time, I'm going to do this one fast. Reason number three. So reason number one, hospitality is at the heart of God. Reason number two, Jesus actually came to model it for us. And reason number three is that hospitality is a really practical way that you can participate in the mission of God. So you can actually be a part of the spread of the gospel and the growth of God's kingdom. And the way that that could happen in your life is by being hospitable. And you, and you begin to see how practical this is and things happen, people's lives change. And this is, I think, the meaning of this really strange thing in Hebrews 2 about angels. So I'll put the verse on the screen again. Remember, the writer of Hebrews said, don't neglect hospitality to the stranger, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. It's so interesting. I love that. And, and I, I imagine when you read it, you're like, is, is he saying that actually literally I could have someone over for dinner and then they turn out to be an angel? You know, like what is, what is happening here? What's happening is that this goes back to the Old Testament. And maybe you know, if you've been around the church, that there's all these stories about people receiving strangers and hosting them. And then they discover to their, to their shock that it's actually God himself who visited them. So Abraham has three guests who visit him and he welcomes them. He jumps up and they're clearly outsiders. And he, and he welcomes them and he brings them into his tent and, he, and his servant brings a, a, a fattened calf and they prepare a meal and he, and he treats them with hospitality and then it turns out that, that, that it's the angel of the Lord and two of his messengers. And Abraham can't believe it, and they bless Abraham. And then the writer of Hebrews picks up on this and says, this is actually, there's something to this. This is actually getting to the heart of hospitality. And here's what, here's what it means. When you are around someone who you think is a stranger to you, just think about this. Imagine looking at someone who looks very strange to you, and they feel like, a foreigner, someone you're not used to being around. God says, when you look into that person's face, you're actually looking into my face. I stand in solidarity with a stranger. That's like my heart. I love strangers. It's still a human. It's a person who feels on the outside. But the thing you have to know is, I'm actually, my heart is with that person's heart. 
And so when you, when you treat them like a friend, you're actually, that's how you're treating me. Jesus, in this parable one time, he said, blessed are you because you fed me when I was hungry and you clothed me when I had no clothing and you treated me like, you, you brought me in when I was a stranger. And the people who heard it said, what? Jesus, we, did, we, did, we never fed you. And Jesus said, what you did to the least of these, you did to me. You did to me. Amazing. Jesus says, this is my heart. And then you begin to realize this is how the gospel spreads because we treat, we treat strangers like friends. They become, they feel welcome. They join us. They, they enter in and suddenly now they're a brother or a sister in Christ. It's so powerful. And God's kingdom spreads. And how I pray, River West, how I pray in our church, we would get better at this. We want to do it collectively as a family of God, but we also want to do it individually. We want to to grow. And so let's pray about that together. Will you bow your heads with me? Take just a moment to quiet your heart and reflect. Lord, we remember, of course, first of all, that, um, that communion is about sharing a meal together. It's about hospitality. It's about a family gathering together and joining in in this beautiful familial kinship type of a moment. And right at the heart of it is how you've treated us. We were strangers, but we became your people. And it happened through the blood of Jesus, the precious blood, that cup that we drink, it represents this costly sacrifice of Christ to make peace and to bring us in. And we want to celebrate that today and want to pray that we would reflect on the fact that we were strangers and now we're friends and family. And we thank you, Lord. God, would you work in our hearts and work in our church. We pray that our church would become even more welcoming and more hospitable than ever before. May it transform not just this place, but our community. Pray, Lord God, that we would be inviting people into our homes and then inviting them to our church, inviting them to our community groups. Help us, Lord. We want to be like that. We want to, we want to be like you, Lord Jesus. And so work in our hearts, we pray. Thank you for it, Lord. All God's people said, amen, amen.